All right, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 9, please. Luke chapter 9. And this morning we're going to go through a very familiar story. Often we just refer to this as the feeding of the 5,000, rightfully so. But the title of my sermon is rather, Grab a Basket. Grab a basket. Luke chapter 9, and let's begin reading together in verse 10. The Bible says, And the apostles, when they were returned, told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And the people, when they knew it, followed him. And he received them and spake unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals, for we are here in a desert place. But he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all this people. For they were about five thousand men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down by fifties in a company. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and break and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat and were all filled. And there was taken up of fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. So before we talk about grabbing your basket, I'd like to begin with a word of prayer. If you would, bow your heads with me and let's pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we ask that you please uh, bring this story fresh to our minds and hearts. We, we've heard it before, we know about it. Might you speak to us in a, perhaps a new and a different way? And Lord, might we leave this morning basket in hand, ready to do something with what we've heard. Please, Father, meet with us. We're not concerned about the venue. We're not concerned about the new place. We, we want to meet with you. Please, God, come down, spend time with us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I believe you're familiar with what we've been looking at in this gospel. Jesus has called the 12 apostles. He sent them out. That's verses 1 down to 6. Because they were going town to town, city to city, preaching everywhere, they were stirring up the interest of the people. The people were beginning to talk. Who is this Jesus guy? And that is what led to verses 7 down to 9. Herod then hears about it. He is also interested. What's all the gossip about? But eventually, the apostles, they have been prepared by Jesus, called and sent out by Jesus. They've been preaching for several months at this point, and now they've come back. And in verse number 10, they came and they returned and they told him all that they had done. Wouldn't you like to hear those stories? Wouldn't that have been some stories? One of my favorite parts of the ministry is after we go out soul winning, whatever day of the week it might be, we go out for an hour or two, when we reconvene and we get to share the stories with each other, who did you get to talk to? How did the conversation go? Those stories are just outstanding. And that's what, now they're sitting down telling Jesus about the miracles that they got to do, the preaching that they got to do, and the lives that had been changed. 
This is what Jesus desired. When he called them, he said, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. It has been realized. They are now fishing for men, but what they have also discovered is the work is so big. There is so much to do. The Father's harvest is so vast, but the laborers are so few. Now, these men have been working morning, noon, and night. And as they tell Jesus about their their time and how they've been using it, Jesus realizes these guys are worn out. They are tired. They did not even have time to stop and take a meal. So when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get the full story here, which, by the way, this is the only miracle of Jesus that's mentioned in all four Gospels. Aside from the resurrection, this is the only miracle. There's something special about what Jesus did with this feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus now says, guys, you're worn out. In the Gospel of Mark, he says, you didn't even have time for leisure. I think you guys say leisure. When I first heard that word, I thought you were writing in an accountant's ledger. It's like, you need a ledger? Why do you need a ledger? But you need leisure, leisure. You need to take a break. So Jesus in verse uh, 10, 11, 12, he has called the disciples aside, the 12, and said, let's go take a break. Let's go out to the desert. Why? Because there's no people there. Just we'll be able to have a small meal together, small intimate meal, and you'll, you guys can get a break. But the ministry followed them. When the people heard that Jesus was heading out to the desert with his disciples, they actually ran to the spot before Jesus could get there, and the ministry was waiting for them. If you would, hold your place here. Get John chapter 6. I think a simple way to say this is that Jesus, the work was so much even for him while he was here physically, as one man he could not get to every single individual. He called out some help. You know what he did with these people? Listen to this, please. This is the statement I want to get stuck in your mind. He wanted to get other people involved. He wanted to get other people involved. That is still true to this day. The Father's harvest is still vast. The laborers are still too few. We need to get people involved. And I want to show you to what extent Jesus got these men involved. John 6, same story, verse 5. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Jesus is getting His apostles involved. Hey, what's your plan to feed the multitude? You think Philip was expecting that question? You know what my answer would be? Why are you asking me? You're the master. Surely you don't need me to give you a good idea. I'm sure you have a plan, Jesus. In verse 6, And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already had a plan. You know what he's doing? He's showing the apostles, you can handle this. You're not going to figure it out with your own human intellect, rationale. You have no idea how to accommodate this large of a crowd. Jesus is engaging them, getting them to realize you do have limitations. If you will trust and obey, you'll see that you can get more done than you think. So now he's asked Philip. Philip answers verse 7, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, 
that every one of them may take a little. 200 penny worth. A penny is how much you make for one day. That's one day's wage. 200 days worth of, of pay cannot feed this multitude. So in Philip's mind, what he's basically saying is there's no way that we can help these people. In verse number 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here. I like that. Do we have some lads here? There's a lad. There's a lad. There's a lad. We got some lads here. This, this is just a young man. We, we would just say a sin, a, 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 a boy. Probably preteen. There's a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two, I, I like this, two small fishes. They had to put that adjective in there. They, they weren't just fishes. Because so, you know how a fish story goes. That fish was, no, 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 no. That fish was this big. <laughs> two small fishes. But then Andrew says, but what are they among so many? Jesus, what we have to offer could not possibly be of any use. So verse number 10, Jesus said, make the men sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, number about 5,000. Notice it's the men that sat down. The men came with families. So you're dealing with plus minus 10,000 people. Right? We don't know how many wives and children precisely were there, but we're focusing on the head of the home, sitting his family down, and the disciples organized the people into ranks of 50 and 100. You read that in other Gospels. They got organized. The disciples, upon having this conversation, probably thought, Jesus, this is a waste of time. We've already told you, there's no point in us getting involved. There's some, some of you maybe even, by this point in the sermon, have already shut off and said, you know what, here he is talking about getting involved. I think I know where he's going. I already know my schedule. I already know my life. There is no way that I can do anything more. There's no way that I can do anything profitable. There's no point in me even trying to get involved. These men could have used excuses. We don't have enough resources. Maybe some of you have already thought of that. Well, I get involved, but I don't have enough money or this or that. I have nothing to offer. The place wasn't good. They're in the desert. They're not, they're not near any tuck shops. There's no restaurants. There's no Nando's on the corner. What can we do? And furthermore, there's only 12 of us. There's 5,000 families. Why get involved when we're not even going to make a dent we're not going to make a noticeable difference here, Jesus. Why would we spin our wheels? Now, knowing how this story ends in the Gospel of John, you can actually see this later on in the chapter. This same multitude, after they were fed, they came back. But they came back not to, not to hear what Jesus had to say, but because they had a free meal. And, and Jesus rebuked them for that. said, guys, labor not for the meat that perishes. But, but rather for, for the Father, for eternal life, for that. So there's a lesson to be learned there. there. There's a big reason why people don't get into some sort of ministry. I'm not talking about standing here preaching. I'm talking about getting involved. Doing something for Christ's sake to help somebody else spiritually. Getting involved in whatever level that is. Many times people don't because... 
they don't think the people they're ministering to are worth it. This crowd, they're just in it for the free food. And you get burned enough by people, just people. You get bitter. And you start to think, why would I give my time, my resources, my effort, my blood, my sweat, my tears, my prayers, why would I reach out to them? What have they ever done for me? Despite the shortcomings of these people, Jesus was still moved with compassion on them. He still cared about them. And I think on a deep level, the disciples would like to help these people, but they just don't know their limits. Now listen, we say that, and we say, you don't know my limits. The, the disciples didn't realize just how much they could do. They, they, they didn't realize, oh, wait a minute, our limits are way up there. If we just trust and obey. Jesus told the men, his apostles, make the people sit down, 50, hundreds. They did, they got organized. Jesus took that barley loaf and he broke, he blessed it and he broke it. And he called his 12 apostles and he said, guys, here's what we're going to do. Th those were his ushers. <laughs> he said, we're going to set up a buffet line now. And he, and he hands just a piece of the bread. A picture it now. A barley loaf is about yay big and round. Okay? He, he just breaks off piece, a piece of it. He has 12 men, piece of that and a, a small piece of the fish. Hands it to the guy. You don't need a basket. You can hold that in your hands. The men take that in their hands, and he says, okay, you go take care of groups number one, two, three, four, and you're there. Okay, section number two, here you go, breaks off a piece, divides it to the 12, and he says, now you go feed them. And they did. They went and fed them, and they come back, and they stand back. And, and sometimes while, while you're standing right there handing out the bread, you don't see the big picture of what's going on. Because that man is standing here just handing bread to one individual and then another individual, and he doesn't know what's happening on this side. But when they get done feeding, they all step back, standing next to Jesus, and they take a look, and they go, whoa, wait a minute, how, um, uh, wow, there's leftovers, Jesus, yeah, I know, I know. Look at John 6, verse 12, and when they were filled, they were filled. The multitude didn't just have a bite, halavas versarach, halavas duk. They said, man, we've had enough. They were filled. That's just how God does it, exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. You just don't know your limits. He said, they're blown away. They're all filled. The multitudes, oh, we can't take another bite. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Guys, go get the leftovers. You know what they did? They grabbed a basket. It was right then that they grabbed a basket. I don't think they had a baskets before that. They looked around, so okay, let's get a basket. They grabbed a basket. Verse 13, therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. They stood there at that point holding that basket. Those 12 men come back together and they're each holding their own basket. And they look down at that basket and they look over at their fellow apostle. He has a basket and he has a basket. And they're just looking at the basket, looking at each other, looking at Jesus. What just happened? 
And he looks at that basket. You know what you have? You have a basket full of lessons. You have a basket full of blessings. You have a basket full of memories. You have a basket full of stories that you will tell for generations and generations. So what we want to do, I want to preach to you about a few things. When they looked down in that basket, what did they learn? If you'll grab a basket, you might learn these same things as well. First of all, they looked down in that basket. If I'm one of them, I would have learned this. I'd like to think I would have learned it. I looked down in that basket and I would think, God will give more through me than he will to me. God will give more through me than he will to me. Because what Jesus gave to each man was just enough to hold in their hands. But what they fed the people, so much went through them. Every time they would stand back, they, they had the buffet line, they'd break a piece off, hand it to the man, break a little fish, hand it to the man. The man would then sit down with his family, feed, the, feed his family. And when, when the next man would step up, the apostle would break the next piece of bread. But the bread just never disappeared. The fish just never disappeared. And the more that he gave, the more bread that he kept getting. The more fish he gave, the more fish there was. What God, what Jesus gave to each man was just a little bit. And if God's going to give you something and it's going to just stay with you, don't expect much. But if you will be a bucket with a hole in it, if God knows that what He gives you will go through you to be a blessing and a help to somebody else, you'll find that God gives more through you than He does to you. Jesus said it. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, how He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Wouldn't that be a blessing to stand there watching? I don't know how this keeps, the bread keeps growing. I don't know how God keeps providing. All I know is, if I were to stop giving, God would stop increasing it. There'd be no more need to keep giving anything to you because you're not going to give it out to anyone else. The Bible tells us that we are to be ready to distribute, willing to communicate, ready. That doesn't mean you have to necessarily go and give away all your possessions, but ready. Lord, if there's some way I can be a blessing to somebody else, I'm ready to do that. Unless you think I'm talking only about money, I'm not. Although I will say this does work with money. If you will stop focusing on the money and just focus on being a help and a blessing to somebody else, God will give more through you than to you. This works with money. I, I have seen it so much, I literally have lost count. I used to write it down. I've lost count of how many times it's happened. The most recent time, there was a missionary that fell into some really tough times a guy that I know, but not that well. The Lord put it on my heart to send him $1,000, which I really didn't have, but Lord, you said to do it. You know what happened a week later? I got a call from another friend who had no idea what I did. I said, Brother Mike, I want to give you $5,000. You know what I found? You just can't outgive God. <laughs> and if you'll be a bucket with a hole in it, he'll just keep giving and giving and giving because he knows it's not going to stay with you. It's just going to be a help and a blessing to someone else. I've prayed this for years. Perhaps I can pass this advice on to you. When I open my Bible to read, here's my prayer. Lord, guide me. Please show me something from the Scripture today. I want to be a help to somebody else with what you show me. 
So teach me something that will help someone else. Now, you know what happens? As that knowledge, that wisdom, is passing through me on its way to you, I get helped. <laughs> you see, I'm getting helped. I'm getting blessed as it's going through. So be that channel only. Be that conduit through which God can work. I'll tell you another thing. If you'll grab a basket, stand there one day, look down, you'll learn this. Those men are standing in that circle looking at each other. One guy looks at his basket. Next guy looks at his and on and on. I would have realized I don't have to do all the work. You know, that can be discouraging if you look around at what needs to be done and then you think, no one is here to help me. Then it's hard to get motivated because I know that once I start this project, it will never get done. I'm just going to run myself to death. What a blessing it was yesterday. So many of you pitched up and helped. This place was a construction site and you turned it into a meeting place. There's still work to be done, obviously. But what a blessing for people to pitch in and pitch, or let's say pitch up and pitch in. These guys looked around and said, I don't have to feed all 5,000. I did the math, 12, right, 5,000 families divided amongst 12 apostles. Each apostle needs to reach 416 men. That's a day's work, but that's doable. If you tell me hand 416 tracks out, that's a lot easier than 5,000. I can get that done. One thing you have to do is get organized. You have to get organized. I can't do this alone and I can't be sloppy. I've got to do it on purpose. I've got to make a plan. I've got to break this down into manageable chunks. If I just look at the multitude, that's too much. But if I look at just 50, let me not think about 5,000. Let me just feed this 50. And once I'm done with this 50, I can move to the next 50. Break it down into a manageable chunk. Perhaps you cannot reach all of Pach or Ikacheng or Promosa. Perhaps you can reach your neighbor. Perhaps you can invite the person sitting next to you in class or in, at work, invite them to church. Perhaps you can just reach that one rather than worrying about a hundred people. But you don't have to do it all yourself. You know, in the book of Numbers, we read where Moses got burdened. Every day, all he did was answer Bible questions. Every day. People came to him and there was a long queue and they wanted advice. What, what, what about this? What about that? And it got to be so much that he began to complain and said, Lord, this is more than I can bear. You know what God did? He said, get 70 men, bring them before, and, and I will transfer some of the spirit that's on you. I'll transfer it to them, and they will help you carry this load. You know how many men he said to get? 70. Just come back to Luke. Look at chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, look at verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other, how many? He said, go, go get 70 more. God doesn't expect any one of us to do all the work. You know what he does expect? Get involved. Grab a basket. See what God puts in it. Say, I don't have much. Yeah. Don't worry, God will take the little bit you do have and do more than you ever thought possible. Moses, he got some help. He got some men to get him through the, that wilderness journey. God will put some fellow laborers around you. 
But first, you have to start laboring. There they stood, Matthew with his basket. He looks over, and he sees, Matthew, he sees Peter's basket. Then Peter looks, and there's his brother Andrew, Andrew's basket. And then Andrew looks at James, and James looks at John. John looks at the other James, and they start looking at each other's basket. And then they look at your basket. They're looking at each other's baskets, and they all have a basket. How do you think it would have felt if one man comes back with a basket and the others don't have a basket? How do you think it would feel if 11 of them had a basket and one guy came back and said, not me. I didn't grab a basket. Which would mean he didn't feed anyone. You know, one day we're all going to gather around. We're all going to gather around at the judgment seat of Christ and you'll come with your basket. And if you haven't gotten involved and there's nothing in the basket, then what a day that'll be. You want to be able to look down one day and say, I did my part in helping the multitude. You know, another thing that they would have learned, they look in that basket and all they see is fragments. You remember reading that? Fragments? Luke chapter 9. Verse number 17. They did, they were all filled. There was taken up of fragments that remained. I, I found this interesting. The word fragments only shows up seven times in the Bible. The word fragment, singular, nowhere in the Bible. Only fragments, plural, seven times. If you know your Bible, the, word, the, the number seven is a special number. Do you know the only time that it's ever used is in this story? I think God's trying to get a special lesson across with that. They look down in that in that basket, and every piece of bread is broken. Every piece of fish, broken. You know what the word fragment means? It means broken off pieces. Everything they're looking at is broken. So here's the lesson. I would look in that basket, and I would learn, stay broken. I'm going to have to stay broken. If God is going to use me, I've got to stay broken. You cannot reach the multitude unless first the bread is broken. That apostle would look down and say, everything. Jesus started off breaking it. And every time I fed somebody, I had to break it off to them. And everything I picked up is broken. I've got to stay broken. Say, preacher, what do you mean broken? Remember at the Last Supper, Jesus picked up that bread and he broke it. You guys remember that? And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Now the disciples wouldn't have known it during this miracle, but they would have been able to put the pieces together. That breaking of the bread is a picture of what Jesus did for me. So what does it mean to be broken? It's not just your physical body being broken being whipped and beaten. It's not just that. It's a breaking of the will. It is the prayer of Gethsemane. Father, not my will, but thine be done. It is a humble, obedient submission, even unto death. To say, Lord, I will deny myself, take up my cross and follow you every day. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross daily. Deny yourself daily. Every day, the Bible says to renew your mind day by day. It's not a once-off commitment that you make. Every day, I look at that basket and I'm reminded I've got to stay broken. 
I can't have everything I want. I can't do anything and everything I want. Lord, you have given me a responsibility. I want to get involved. And in order for that to happen, I can't just do everything that I have planned. Lord, train me. Break me. Break me. I read up a little bit on training. I first read up on training a horse because I know we got some horse lovers amongst us. So I thought that'd be a good way to communicate this. But then I thought, ah, I got a better illustration. Let's, let's look up a mule. I think we have more in common with mules than horses. You know what mules are known for? There we go. Everybody knows. Just stubborn. Ah, that, now I'm speaking to us. <laughs> and I mean us as in humans, right? Just that is our thing. I read up. I've not learned this through personal experience, but you can train a mule you can break him is what they call it. You can break him anywhere from 30 to 60 days. So what that, what that trainer does is he gets on that mule and he just rides and rides and rides and, and he fights against the bucking of the mule until that mule calms down and accepts the rider. You know what's going to happen? Jesus is going to Try to take that position of authority in your life and he's, gonna, he's just going to say, listen, this is what I want you to do. I'm asking you to get involved and our flesh just bucks against that and bucks against that. So, but no, but, but this, but that, but a thousand excuses and some of you have become very proficient and it's been 11 years and you're still not involved. Flesh still bucking against it, bucking against it. Jesus says, I'm, in, I'm here for the long haul, buddy. <laughs> We can, I can do this all eternity. <laughs> I, I have literally all the time in the world. <laughs> My flesh has a lot in common with that mule. 26 and a half years. It's not as if after all this time you say, okay, that's it. My flesh is, is broken completely. I get it. I'll just, I'll just. My flesh to this day still wants to rise up and say, but why do I have to keep doing this? Why are they worth it? Why should you keep trying? Why this? Why that? And every day you just got to stay broken. I look in that basket. There's something else I think we can learn. I'd look at, you know, let's say Matthew has his and Peter and Andrew, James, John. I'd look around that circle and I would look at my basket and I would say, none of us have all the loaves and fishes. No one apostle has everything figured out. None of us have all the pieces. We're all sharing in this. None of us start with all the loaves. None of us end with all the loaves. You say, but that little boy, that little lad, he had all the loaves, he had all the fishes. Oh, no, he didn't. He didn't have 12 baskets full, did he? He didn't have everything that Jesus wanted to offer that day. He started off with a little. He surrendered it to the Lord. Yes, it multiplied, but he didn't start off with all of it. You, you, because people sometimes get discouraged and say, I don't know everything there is to know about the Lord. I don't know everything there is to know about the Bible. That's fine. You'll learn as you go. One, one thing that I would notice, I don't know everything. That person doesn't have the whole story. That person might have a piece that I don't have. So I need everybody to make the whole. But I want to end up with more than I started with. Does that make sense? I hope that you're growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I hope that this morning you know more about your Savior than you did last year. You may not have all the pieces, and there's a chance you know something about them that I don't. That's why we need each other, to edify one another, to provoke one another, because I don't have all the pieces in my basket. Yesterday, I got a, I got a message kind of late at night. Man, this was such a blessing. It made me think of what eternity is going to be like. Because you know, one day in eternity, we all stand there with our baskets, you know, metaphorically. We're up in heaven with our baskets. I, ho- I hope that's true, by the way. I hope this morning you're saved, and I'm, I mean what I say when you're be in heaven. But if you're saved, you'll be in heaven, and you're standing there, and we're going to tell stories about what God allowed us to do for Him. Right? And it's only then will we find out how big the story was. Could you imagine this morning if we had time to tell all of our stories of how we came to know Christ? I don't know that story for all of you. But see, that's because that's what's in your basket. That's your personal experience with Christ. I don't have all those pieces yet. One day in eternity, we will have all those pieces. But yesterday, I got a message. Somebody, while we were busy at the church here cleaning and fixing stuff up, another group went out witnessing. I got this message that while they were out witnessing, they handed out a tract, and that, I believe it was a young lady, if I remember correctly, that young lady said, I can't believe this. This is tremendous. Now I know there's a God. So our our members said, "What, what do you mean now you know? And that person said, I prayed last night and said, God, if you're real, show me which church to go to. Please, please just make that clear to me. Bring it to me. And the next day, somebody handed them a gospel track, and there's a church to go to. That person said, now I know. Unequivocally. See, that, now that, in that person, that's in their basket. That's an experience. That's a memory. That person got involved, and now for the rest of their days, they can tell that story. And I love it that that lady can share something from her basket, and now it gets to be a blessing in my basket as well. Because now I've heard about something else God can do. None of us have all the pieces, but one day we'll hear about them all. And then lastly, I want to say this. You look in the basket, and I would learn that God will supply all of my needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply all of my needs. You know, no matter how much these men gave out, there was always enough of what the people needed. Think about that. No matter how much they gave, there was always enough. The Bible says in Proverbs, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. So, so think this through with me. If I give the gospel, right? If, if, I, if I give my bookmark, watch this, watch this transaction. I give my bookmark. Do I have a bookmark? I no longer have a bookmark, but the one I gave it to has a bookmark, right? Now watch this. I can give this man the gospel. I can tell him about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. Am I still a partaker of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Do I still have the gospel in my heart? Sure. I didn't lose anything. It only only grows my surety, my assurance of the power of the gospel. So the more I give it, the more it grows within me. No matter how much I give the gospel out, I never run out of gospel. (laughs) Does that make sense? No matter how much they gave out the bread, there was always enough bread. If they needed fish, 
Whatever the need is, God never lets a soul win or starve. If that person will get involved, you will see that God will continually provide so that you can bear fruit for Him. I give the gospel out, yet I still have it. Listen to this one. Several of you need to hear this one. I give my time. I give my time. But I haven't lost it. Right? I, I, you say, but, but if you were here for three hours, then that's three hours done. Dusted. They're gone. You'll never get them back. Wait a minute. Didn't Paul say, redeem the time? Because the days are evil. Didn't he say that? Redeem the time. You know what it means to redeem? Buy it back. Salvage it. I'm not wasting my time. If I'm involved, breaking bread, feeding someone else with what God has provided me, if I'm giving out the truth of of God's Word, I'm not losing that time. I'm saving that time. I'm holding on to it. I have salvaged that time. There are a lot of things I've done in my life that were a waste of time. And when I get to eternity, I will have regretted that I wasted time on that. But I will never, for as long as there is and is, whatever eternity is, as long as there is eternity, I will never regret spending time doing something for Christ. So if I give my time, I haven't lost it, I've saved it. If I give my life for the cause of Christ, and I don't mean just physically, just offering myself, Lord, here I am, a living sacrifice, I'm involved, tell me what to do. I haven't lost my life. Jesus said, if you lose your life, you'll save it. You see this concept, I'm looking in the basket thinking all I've done all day is give, 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 but I still have. I give my life, I'm a servant for others, for Christ's sake. I haven't, I haven't lost my life. I've actually saved it. I've made it a life worth living. I look at that basket and I think this is a life worth living. What I want to encourage you today, despite your challenges, despite the excuses that your flesh might bring to your mind, get involved. Get involved grab a basket and see what God does with that basket. Let's all stand if you would, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed. The pianist can play something softly. And unlike our other church services, I'm not going to invite you to come forward. If you would like to pray, obviously your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, you can pray right where you're at. If you feel the need to kneel down, you can do so right there at your chair and just use that as a prayer bench. Jesus wanted to get these men involved. And they were. They were. They were busy for the Lord. Listen to this. They were, they were busy. He said, you guys have no idea how much you could get done. Grab a basket and find out. Before you leave this morning, perhaps you can pray and ask God to hand you a basket. How about you just tell your flesh right now, no. No more excuses. 
The answer is no. Flesh, you can't have what you want. I'm going to give it to Christ. Whatever I have, whatever can be used, however small it may seem in my mind, I'm going to get involved. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, you're one of the multitude maybe that needs to receive some of that bread. You heard this morning that Jesus is that bread that was broken. He died in your place and He wants to offer you eternal life. If you've never been saved right after the service, you you find me, I'll take you aside privately. I'd love to. What an honor to explain to you how to know for sure that you're born again. Father, this morning we want to thank you. Thank you that we get to meet, talk about these things, and be reminded of what a big job there is to do. Multitudes, hungry, not just physically, spiritually. As we depart, God, please don't let anybody forget their basket. Use us, Lord. We're here, we're here to be used. Father, what has been said today, please don't let it slip quickly from the hearts and minds of, the, of these people. Let them do something with it, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.